If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. We have started this series last week called Christophany. The idea of a Christophany is the appearance of Jesus, the second person of the triune Godhead, in the Old Testament. Uh, we looked through several passages last week that laid a foundation, uh, several uh, things that kind of help us out to understand the appearance of the second person. Colossians 1.15 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So ultimately, we should not be surprised, should we? We shouldn't be surprised to see Jesus in the Old Testament. We shouldn't be surprised to see that occur. But before we jump into the historical context, I want to be reminded of our goals for this series. There are two goals in mind. One is modeled after Jesus. The other is modeled after the Apostle Paul. Jesus, just after his resurrection, in fact, the day of his resurrection, he is walking and encounters two people. They're kind of down because of all the events that took place. Jesus, like, well, what, what events are you talking about? And on their walk together, Jesus explained to them the things concerning Christ in the Old Testament. And they made this statement. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? I want that to be our first goal. Our first goal should be that as we discover how Christ is seen in the Old Testament, that it does something within our heart, that it stirs us in some way. So my prayer has been and will continue to be that God does something in your heart as well as my own. The second goal is modeled after the Apostle Paul, and that is this. Uh, Paul said, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might know him, that we might, that we might experience Christ. Now, the historical context is such that as we get ready to walk through Genesis 18, I want us to consider some things. Genesis 18, Abraham is about to be encountered by three guests. Some people are going to suggest that he wasn't sure who they were that he didn't realize that one of those three was, in fact, Christ. Some are going to suggest that he wasn't aware until halfway through their encounter with one another. I think that's odd. And the reason I think that's odd is because in the previous chapters, Abraham has already encountered Christ. Consider Abraham 15. In Abraham chapter 15, we see where Abraham is met with Jesus and they made what is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. And this is where um, the things are the things that are promised to Abraham. He, he's going to have a great name, that he's going to have land, that he's going to have descendants. And there's this promise 
was, was so important that they made a covenant with one another, a binding covenant nonetheless. And this binding covenant did this. This binding covenant was where they gathered together three, three animals and two birds. They were given instructions to take those animals and cut them in half. Now, that's not at the waist cut in half. These animals were cut like we would cut this way. It's a strange cut, right? In halves, where one half mirrored the other half. And then they were laid out, these animals. Now, what was the significance of that? The significance was this, that when a covenant like this was being made, the two parties involved would walk between the two halves in a commitment to one another to say, if I fail to live up to my end of this covenant, then may the same thing that happened to these animals cut down in two. May the same thing that happened to them happen to me. Now, that's a pretty strong commitment, right? And that's the commitment that we see Abraham making. He's making this strong commitment. However, as they are ready for Abraham to walk through, what does the Lord do? The Lord puts him to sleep. He goes to sleep. He rests. And instead of Abraham walking through, we have the presence of God. Perhaps the second person of the Trinity walks through those two. What that does is it now makes the covenant binding, but it's only based upon one party. That one party is required to fulfill this covenant instead of both parties committing and living up to their commitment to this. Abraham can now fail and nothing happened to him. However, God cannot fail in this commitment. So we have this extreme commitment to the covenant. Fast forward a little bit, Genesis chapter 17, the chapter right before our focal passage this morning. This time, the covenant is going to have a sign. So it's not only been sealed, it's not only been confirmed through this, this, this covenant um, sacrifice commitment, but now there's a sign with it. And this sign, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, shows up and tells Abraham that he and his descendants are going to have a sign to indicate that they have made this commitment to the covenant. The sign is going to be circumcision. Now, that happens in chapter 17. Abraham, at this point, is 99 years old. Chapter 15, he was 75 years old. Here he is, 99 years of age, and he is being told, you need to be circumcised, and all of your household, your, your descendants, all your male descendants, the same. So they make this uh, commitment. When we turn the page to chapter 18, 
where Jesus, again, with this time with two angels, makes an appearance to Abraham and Sarah. At this point, it's only been perhaps days, months, but it couldn't have been more than a year because Abraham is still 99 years old. He's the same age in chapter 17 and chapter 18, exact same age. So here's the reason I share all of that, that background with you. People are going to suggest and they're going to say, he didn't know who these guests were. I'm going to suggest that not only did he know who his guests were, he was anticipating them. He was anticipating Christ. He was expecting Christ to show up. Now, not only did Christ show up, he came with a very specific purpose. And what we're going to see through the book, through the chapter 18 that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to see how Jesus' presence came and encouraged Sarah and how it encouraged Abraham. Now, perhaps it's just pure speculation on my part, but I would suggest that if um, three guys show up and Jesus is one of them and it's only been a few months since I made the commitment to circumcision, I'm going to remember that guy who made me do the commitment to circumcision. I'm not going to have a lapse of memory. Uh, if the angels show up and say, hey, you remember Jesus? And I'm going to say, yes, Gabe, I remember Jesus so very well. Uh, he was the one that brought, brought about this thing called circumcision. Now, it's remarkable because Abraham seems to have recovered rather quickly because he's moving around quite well in chapter 18. He's running like crazy. But there's another thing. When we get to verse 9, Genesis 18, 9, Jesus says, where is your wife, Sarah? Now, he didn't say Sarai. He said Sarah. Why is that important? Because Jesus and these two angels that came with him knew the covenant names of Abraham and Sarah. And furthermore, Abraham didn't think it odd that three strangers were asking where his wife was. I can assure you, if three strange men showed up in my house and asked for my wife by name, I've got more questions. I want to know, who are you? What's going on? Why, why are you here? 